You're listening to the Lead On Podcast, where we discuss experiences in the armed forces while exploring lessons from military leaders. Hello, welcome to another edition of Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. I'm David Deary, president of the Enlisted Leadership Foundation, and joining me today is Angela Wesley. Angela is a Navy veteran. She joined the Navy in 2005, 16 years ago already. Oh my gosh, 2005, she served eight years as a sailor. Uh, serving a couple different locations that we'll talk about. Currently living in the uh, Florida, Angeles, or, or or Texas? Houston, Texas. Houston, that's what I thought. I don't know where I got Florida from, but currently residing in Texas. Uh, met Angela over the summer as we were both part of a great program called Entrepreneur Boot Camp for Veterans, sponsored by the Institute of Veterans and Military Family. Uh, our particular cohort took place as Texas A&M. And I was so intrigued and honored to meet Angela and the, uh, her passion, uh, not just for entrepreneurship, but what she wants to do in that space. And I'm going to let her talk about that. But first, good morning, Angela. How are you today? Good morning. I'm good. Well, thanks, thanks for being here. You know, I'd like to start off all these with just asking uh, just a, 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 an easy question, a softball question, if you will. Um, you know, throughout our lives, especially in the military, right? And in the military, uh, people, it's amazing how, how much advice people want to give, uh, mostly unsolicited. So was there ever any bad advice, uh, specifically around leadership, that somebody ever gave you? Uh, not that I could think of. I can't think of any bad advice. Um, it's mainly learning from those leaders and saying, okay, I don't want to be like them or, oh, I like that. I want to take that and use that in the future. Well, give me, how about telling us uh, um, what is something that you don't want to be like as a leader? I, I, I will often tell when, when we hold our leadership classes, I will, uh, every class I'll tell uh, our students at some point, you're going to learn more from a bad leader than a good leader. So What's something that you learned that you want to, you know, try to stay away from yourself? Uh, hypocrites. So don't want, don't want to be a hypocrite. You know, you don't want to say something and then not follow through. Or um, I, I guess maybe thinking then, you know, if someone says, hey, you need to sweep the deck. And that was probably uh, my first duty station. The supervisor said, hey, go mop and polish that uh, P-way. I have never used the motorized wax or anything. And sure enough, the first class came over and said, no, you're doing it wrong. You need to do it like this. So hands-on, actually do it. And so that right there is like, look, that leader is not scared to get dirty and get in there and actually show you how to do it versus some you say, oh, just figure it out. And you're knocking your head on that wall because, you know, you can't figure something out if you've never done it before. So. Um, <laughs> that sums it up. Yeah. No, you know, you, you, you're so, so just the other day, uh, I was in a car with a friend of mine who's a, uh, another former, well, he's a former Marine and we were having a very similar conversation and I won't give the context cause it's kind of gross, but it, to your point as a leader, it's easy for us to, to somebody to go do something. But we need to know how to execute and do that ourselves. And there's times that we we may have to, in your case, I remember those buffers uh, and, and, you know, show somebody, especially new to the military, like you, 
I've never seen a buffer. I didn't know what a buffer was. In fact, I will tell you, when I was in boot camp, the way that we buffed the deck, no kidding. I, it's like the only picture I have from boot camp. I have some guy holding my feet, okay? And I've got this white towel that, that we had um, uh, soaked in, maybe soaked in some uh, wax. Yeah. So I've got the towel in front of me, and the dude behind me is dragging me, pulling me backwards. And that's how I'm we're waxing the deck. <laughs> yeah, right? And then somebody would come behind with, it, with that machine. Uh, so yes, that's, that, that's so important. Uh, so where was that first duty station? That was Keplovic, Iceland. That was my first duty oh. station. Wow. I've heard nothing but great stuff about Keplovic, Iceland. How gorgeous it is. Did you, uh, did you, uh, make any memories there? Did you, uh, did you grow as a person at that duty station? I think I did. I did grow. So that was probably the first duty station where I got to actually do part of the, uh, job rate for that I had. So I was an ABH. And so that, okay. uh, what, what is an ABH for those that are unfamiliar with it, Navy ratings? Yeah. So an ABH is an aviation boats mate handler. And so a lot of times I tell people it's the people on the, that wear the yellow shirt on that movie top gun. But when you get to shore duty, you get to do some of the Southwest and the airline, um, duties. So the passenger service, the baggage handling in the back, and then the directing of the aircraft when they leave. And, um, and then also you get to do the arresting gear. So even though you have the catapults that catch the planes on the bigger aircraft, you get, you have some of those on shore duty as well for those jets that need to fly in. You know, I, I love what you're saying here is that you get to you know, so often uh, we talk to people and it's, I have to do this or I have to do that. And even what you're describing uh, is not what you, you know, we, we, we select a job when we join the military. And in your case, as an aviation bosun mate, that word aviation tends to imply that you're going to be on, underway doing the bosun mate stuff, right? Yeah. Not being a Southwest Airlines attendant, but yet you, you sit there and say what you get to do. And, and I think that really speaks a lot about who you are as a person and, and your passion uh, for others because you get to do something that's, that's great. Um, so, you know, why did you join, you know, 2005, I'm sure you weren't long out of high school, four years into the, the Gulf War. What, what motivated you to join the military? So my grandfather was in the Navy and I was like, I want to be like my grandfather. He died at 40 from a heart attack. So I never got to hear his stories. And, um, uh, from a little girl, like, well, if I'm going to the Navy, I don't, I don't know what I want to be when I grow up, I'm just going to go. <laughs> so when we met the recruiter, he said, you, your ASVAB scores qualify for a corpsman or for an ABH. And I was like, well, which one's going to see outside the sunshine a lot more it's like well that's going to be your aviation blitzwing handler i said okay great now if i would have known <laughs> that the corpsman would give me a longer career field when i got out then i probably would have done that but i i enjoyed all my experiences yeah 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 when i came in i came in as an az um yeah i don't even remember the aviation something all i know is as a it was the secretary for aircraft, and I don't mean to insult 
anybody that is an AZ, I have some friends that are AZ Master Chiefs actually, but, but that only lasted 24 hours. My dad was a radioman in the Navy. And when I told him, my dad, I joined, I'm going to be an AZ. He said, yeah, no, you're not. And he actually called the Navy recruiter and had me change it, change to a radioman. But honestly, uh, like, like yourself, and I'm sure uh, hundreds of thousands before us, we, we were reading about a description uh, like, hey, I think that's something, that's a skill I can use that'll translate to something on the outside. But in, in your case, and to be honest, in my case, it didn't translate. So you 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 did uh, eight years total service yeah. time, uh, made it to the rank of E5, which actually is, is quite good. Um, after a couple of guys, did you get some at sea time? Were you ever stationed on a ship? I was. I was stationed on a ship. So after I left Keflavik, Iceland, I left early because um, I was pregnant with my first daughter who has Down syndrome. So I got stationed at Portsmouth Naval Hospital and I got to uh, work in the DAPA program, the Drug and Alcohol Prevention. I forget what it is. I forget what the last A stood for. Drug, alcohol, prevention. Uh, Advocacy, maybe? Yes. So Gosh, it's been seven years for me. So, <laughs> so, so, all right. So, your Portsmouth Naval Hospital is a DAPA. Yep. And then after um, the pregnancy, preg- the pregnancy tour was over, then I got stationed at the Norfolk Naval Air Base and um, did my ended my time there, and then went to the Nassau and the Bataan, and um, ended at Marmac in North. In so you did a couple. I did a few. Yeah. So you did a couple ships, a couple amphibs, big deck amphibs. Yes. Uh, so uh, did you get married along the way or were you a single, single mom? I w- did get married along the way. Um, got divorced in one of them and then got remarried. And, uh, but the whole time, you know, I really appreciated the Navy's uh, community support for the children with Down syndromes. So um, I don't know what their acronym is for that, but they they, were, they definitely supported the the parents who um, children had any kind of disabilities. So wow, I, that's interesting. I um that that's something I did not know that in all my years that um, we actually had an element, uh, whether it's through Fleet and Family Support Center or something else. Uh, that even even twenty years ago uh, helped uh, yes. special needs. That's and that really why I asked if you're married or not because I had many uh, uh, female sailors that were either uh, single parent parents uh, or dual military. Um, but as a single, when you're assigned to a ship and you deploy, whether that deployment is whether it's a deployment or just workups are getting underway and you with the special needs um that's it's hard enough just to say goodbye to your children and then to have special needs uh just adds a whole nother element um so i applaud you for that and sticking with it was that a was that one of the um so you did your eight years uh, with uh, having a special needs child and then eventually more children was that something that led you to say, well, it's time to, to move on and do something different? Or did you just, uh, the the lifelong urge of serving had escaped you and it was ready to move on? Uh, no, the lifelong urge to, to serve did not escape me. I actually regret getting out, but 
um, with the family, it was just, it was hard on us. So, um, I mean, I even told my kids, I said, look, if you go into the military, don't think you're going to get a huge paycheck. It's not going to be like that. And if you have family, it's, you know, those daycare providers still want to get paid and they assume, especially around the military bases that you're getting this huge paycheck. So they don't subsidize their childcare. And so financially it is, it is tough. And, um, I think maybe the family, you know, fleet support center should educate more on the finances, especially the first two years in the military, because a lot of the um, members, they have these huge dreams and it's their first paycheck, like, oh, cool, I can do this. Oh, BAH is awesome. I can get rich mm. off of this and that. And that's I, that's one reason why, why I got out is financially it was going to be too hard. And um, moms, mom, I hate, to, I mean, there's some dads that can do great, but I want to say a bulk of the family stuff does rely on the mom itself and so emotionally and um strategically it was going to be too hard to stay in yeah well you know like when we see uh professional athletes on tv when they do something great what do they say love you mom <laughs> very few say thanks dad <laughs> so I, I but but you know and, and when you talk about financial readiness could not agree more in fact we even we've incorporated financial readiness into uh, our programs for the more junior enlisted. And it's actually of all the stuff that we teach, it's always one of the top three topics from the uh, critiques that we get after that was most needed and that they really learned some of the most from. Um, because oftentimes we end up going to those, whether it's Fleet and Family Sports Center, Navy Wrinkle Relief Society, or so many other uh, financial assistance programs that are available through uh, the wonderful work of nonprofit organizations in and around uh, the military installations after it's too late, when we find ourselves in financial hardships yeah. and we're trying to, God, how am I going to pay the bill? How am I going to put food on the table? And then when you start having children, people don't realize uh, the cost of raising kids, even with the uh, state and federal run programs, WIC and, and the like that'll provide for formula, what have you. It's still, uh, there's there's always costs. You got out. Uh, did you continue working or did you stay as an at-home mom? Um, got out, continued working. So I worked at the uh, BAE Shipbuilders in Norfolk in their quality department. And then um, my husband said, well, Virginia is not the best place. I miss my family. I think we need, you know, that family, you know, our blood family because you have the military family, but blood family is always better. So, mm -hmm. uh, my family's from Nebraska and he's like, I can't do the cold weather. So how about we go to Houston? And I said, all right, it's oil and gas. Seems like there's more opportunities there. So that's how we ended up here back in Houston because his family's from here as okay. well. And just did some oil and gas jobs. And then as mm -hmm. my oldest daughter was growing up and, um, not gaining a lot of the skills that she needs to be successful at, you know, at the age of 21 of adulthood. Um, that's where I came in and said, well, let me open up a cafe for her and serve these other people with disabilities as well. Which that's a great segue. Uh, so let's talk about that. So, you know, at the very beginning, when we talked about 
that that bad piece of leadership advice and i love what you said that it wasn't it wasn't so much bad leadership advice but bad uh leadership that you observed and in particular those that do what i say not as i do or maybe not even know how to how to do the job that they're assigning you to do let alone take the time to explain it to you so here you are raising a a down child that you served in the military to navigate that you continued working while you had the special needs married your family dynamics grew and now um, the passion that you have to continue using the experience and now to pay that forward if you will and to, whether it's to help others um, other families with the down or, or special needs but even even beyond that and where you want to provide uh, a place of employment for these young adults to to bring them in as um, viable members of society so share with us your entrepreneurial idea and the mission that you're on. Uh, so the idea is Clover Patch Cafe. And um, a lot of the kids, at least where my daughter was at, would do the coffee cart. So it's easy enough. And I think a cafe is easy enough for these individuals to work in. Um, they can run the cash register. They can do their opening and closing store responsibilities, which is uh, basic housekeeping and janitorials. They can do the money management and still um, use those math skills to count money back and count money in um, and learn how to just make coffee and, you know, communicate with customers as well. So, um and all the ranges are there. So you can have, you know, the high functioning and the low functioning individuals to be employed. Um, and this opportunity has also had a talk to maybe combine our services with um, another of the EBVers that attended our cohort. So we're looking into mm -hmm. maybe combining um the skills that, that I'm going to provide my uh, employees and see how that can mm -hmm. help with her employees as well. Are you looking at this as a coffee cart um, only, or maybe a coffee cart to get started and eventually have a storefront? What's your, what's your long vision? And, and, and why Clover Patch? Why, why, how'd you come up with that name? Uh, so first question <laughs> uh i would like to do a storefront a storefront building that way we can employ more individuals and um some of them don't like you know small spaces and then just how loud it is so if you get a bigger building then more spread out it's not so loud people don't feel so cramped so a a storefront building would be optimal clover patch came about cuz the clovers itself represents love, faith, hope, and luck. And uh, out my front door, there's tons of clovers, and I have found multiple four-leaf clovers out of there. So as I was saying, what should I name my cafe? Came across the clovers. You know, these individuals are pretty lucky. I'm lucky to have them in my family. Um, I've grown. I've learned so much from these individuals. So... That's how I came up with Clover Patch Cafe. That's that's awesome, and and, and I assume this is uh, eventually we're going to be able to come to Houston, Texas, to enjoy some coffee 
that's produced by special needs at the Clover Cat Patch Cafe. Yes, yes. That's, I look forward to that. It, you know, I think it's just a great mission. Uh, I think it, in entrepreneurship, what they, they tell us, uh, you may come up with a, a solution to a problem, but that's not necessarily a problem everybody has. And so you got to do your market research to make sure there's a need and, and what the niche is. And what I love about your idea is, you know, anymore, you can't walk down a, a street without having some opportunity to buy a coffee. But and I drink a lot of coffee, um, but I've never I've never uh, seen not only any kind of uh, storefront, let alone a coffee shop that employs. Uh, and I think you, you shared that you're looking at, if you have 20 employees, uh, about 25% of those uh, not having special needs as your supervisors and managers, but then the bulk of your employee base to be those special needs where they can work w w shorter shifts. Um, but I honestly can't say I've been to a coffee shop that employed a single uh, special needs. Um, so I, I, I really applaud you for that. Uh, I hope that it it does come to fruition. I know there's challenges with any startup when it comes to, to finances and uh, just finding that one that one source that has faith uh, that'll write you that check to get you going. Well, that's fantastic. Well, listen, uh, here we are. We're almost out of time and I, okay. I'd really like to, to talk more with you, uh, but we're up against the clock. But before we end, um, you know, and although you didn't have a, um, uh, you transitioned, if you will, from my first question about uh, bad leadership advice. We'll see how you transition this one. So um, along the way, whether it's in the military, out of the military, has uh, there ever been a time I mean, we make as leaders, uh, and you as an E5 leader in the military, as a leader, as a mom, a leader for your kids, and listen, guys, wives are leaders over us. Uh, you ever, you know, we make bad decisions all the time, and and I think it's important. It's important to make a decision. Can't be afraid of making a bad decision. We're going to make those bad decisions. Was there ever a bad decision that didn't have a bad outcome? Where you're like, ooh, <laughs> got lucky on that one. No, no, I not that I can think of, but um, in my, I guess, supervisory leadership responsibilities that I've had, I know. Um, in the military, we can say, you know, we can say we don't have no filter. So if you're messing up, mm. we can just say it. And a lot of us have grown to accept the criticism and improve upon it. But um, I've noticed a lot of these civilians don't. And so if you say something, they're um, they're like our kids. They need to be not coddled, but you have to sugarcoat it. So you have to sugarcoat the hardness so that way they can accept that criticism and move on. So I myself have to grow and learn how to give loving cr criticism <laughs> to coach and mentor and train even the, you know, the people that are below me um, just so they're not upset with that harshness, but they can grow. Yeah, we, we, we have to pivot. No, no, we have to pivot and change with the times, like it or not. Uh, but, you know, that's leadership and, and leadership is about change. And we have to be and, and we if we don't change, um, we can't be successful as a leader. If, if you know, as an entrepreneur, 
uh, you've got to be able to read the, the, what the market bears and you've got to be able to pivot and change. You may not like it, but if you want to be successful, um, you know, we, we, call it, we call that humility. So we have to be humble. Uh, so, so great, great point. And I, I could probably say if you did not, if you didn't change, if you didn't recognize that and you continued to lead um, with a fist instead of a flower, uh, you probably would not be as successful. So there's, there is some leadership uh, bad decision. Uh, if you had not made that bad decision and you said, no, I'm going to do it this way, eh, it would be very frustrating. You probably would have uh, some negative outcomes. And also with that, you know, since I made that mistake and, you know, being humble, you know, I had to apologize to that individual and say, hey, look, I'm sorry if I overstepped. You know, I'm I'm learning, I'm growing. So, you know, even as that leader, you that's what that's what makes you a good leader is accepting your own faults and improving as well. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. What a great way to end this. So, Angela, uh, thank you again. Thank you for sharing, uh, to, talking to us about Clover Path Cafe that one day will be open in and around Houston, Texas. Uh, Once again, I'm David Deary with the Enlisted Leadership Foundation. You've been listening to the podcast, Lead On, Lessons from Military Leaders. Today, we just heard from Angela Wesley, a Navy veteran who served eight years in the Navy. Join us next time when we have another edition of Lead On, which shows up the first and the 15th of every month, Military Paydays. Thank you. Have a great day.